0: thankful for your advice and counsel and friendship and example so let's make sure we're listening see what God will uh, do in our hearts tonight
1: Amen. thank you open your Bibles again to Hebrews chapter 4 the same passage or the same chapter we were in this morning how many of you have heard the name of Charlotte Elliot anybody heard the name Charlotte Elliot it was in the 1880s Charlotte Elliot was a a uh, very uh, well-to-do uh, singer and poet. And uh, she was invited to sing at a uh, private event in England. And uh, there was a young preacher, just a young preacher, uh, that was an invited to that event to hear Charlotte Elliot sing and to recite poetry. After she finished an amazing uh, Um, uh, group of songs and poets he said to her Miss Elliot you need to be born again while you may not be you are no different than a harlot on the street that needs to be born again and he said it's a shame that your talents are not being used for the Lord his brassness offended her and she told him so she went home that night and when she went to bed The words of being born again kept ringing in her ears. At 2 o'clock in the morning, she got out of bed, and beside her bed, she prayed and trusted Christ as her personal Savior. She took out pen and paper, and she sat down at her table, and she began to write the words, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. You never fail when you give the gospel. What a joy it is to be in the soul winning business. But the bus ministry is the difference in fishing with one pole or fishing with nets. And uh, we can get a bunch of them saved. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I say thank you. Thank you for allowing me to come. I'm honored to come. And uh, I thank you for what you do here because you are an example and you are an encouragement to churches, uh, not only in this mid Atlantic region, uh, but actually across the nation. And uh, folks used to tell me all the time bus ministry's dying. And I said, well, every newspaper's got an obituary column. And uh, folks died in Lexington last night, but I'm not going to turn myself into the funeral home because somebody else died. And there are some buses that we're just now getting them going. And I like to tell the stories of life, of new beginnings, and that's a wonderful thing. What about that 70 buses and bus them in? That's quite an amazing thing. All of it a work of faith, a work of faith. Thank you for sharing in that faith and that burden with you, Pastor, those of you that are here What a blessing it is to have visitors and we got folks from all over the country from New Hampshire, New Jersey to Nebraska. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good range right there. And uh, we're so glad that you're here. It's good to see Joe and Becca. Now Becca is a special gal. She's almost family. Uh, Her family's been a part of our church and I've been her pastor since she was born. And I missed her already, missed her singing. She usually stood behind me or close to behind me in the choir. I told you about the guy last night they put behind me, and I asked them to move him down a little bit. But she used to sing behind me in the choir, and... And uh, she's family. Her dad's been our athletic director and uh, her mother has been our nursery director for a long time, more than 20 years. It's good to see you all. And thank you for the cookies too. I'll remember you tonight. Uh, and, and uh, But I, I love you and thank you for being here uh, tonight. It's a joy to serve the Lord and I'm glad I get to serve with you in this church and those of you in churches from around. Thank you for posting online what you do about folks being saved. And and let's be careful online and let's make sure we ignore the haters. And we just promote the victory and the truth and the excitement. You know, old Dr. Lakin from West Virginia, he used to say, "That crowd that's jealous, they can't tree the coon. They want to shoot the dog that can." And uh, he, "Don't worry about that crowd." He said, "Don't worry about that crowd." He said, "You just keep serving God," and uh, and, and and what a, and that's what we need to do. And thank you for posting, letting the world know, folks are still getting saved, and folks are still still coming to Christ as Savior. Hebrews. Chapter eleven. If you're able to stand with me, I'll ask you to stand with me, please. Most of my sermons are preached on television or radio and they're eighteen or twenty eight minutes, one of the two. I did notice that this was neither radio nor television message. But anyway, I I learned a long time ago that sermons don't have to be eternal to be divine. Hebrews chapter 4. Let's walk through three verses slowly. The Bible says, Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. Let's define that. That's the will of God. Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden. And he said, I'll give you rest now the rest is the will of God take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly so he said let us labor to enter into that rest now that rest is not vacation uh, that rest is not a trip that rest is the work of God let us labor to enter into that rest then he gives us an illustration Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. That example of unbelief is given in the previous chapters. It's talking about the children of Israel who failed in the wilderness to go into the land of Canaan because of their unbelief. They failed for 40 years. Let's not miss the will of God in 40 years, man. That's most of our life. That's our working life. So let's enter to, uh, let's, uh, let's uh, strive to enter uh, into that rest. Now, verse number 12 does not seem to be connected, but it is very much connected. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Notice those two words, please. It divides or it separates or it cuts in half, it separates the soul. From the spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is verse number thirteen seems to be disconnected. However, it is very connected to the same subject of verse number eleven to enter into the will of God. Neither is there any creature that's not manifest in His sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. I want to preach tonight on the subject: the importance of the word of. God, the importance of the word of God. You know, reaching young people for Christ, the only hope is to instill in their hearts and minds this book right here, because this is the truth that will set them free. It is the truth that sets them free. And so uh, from our singing to our games, to our teaching and preaching, we must, we must preach the word of God. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word. Oh, how I hunger uh, for your power. And I thank you today for answered prayers. I come to you with thank you notes and saying, Lord, thank you for answering prayers. Thank you for answering that prayer, uh, for busting them in again today. Seven years later, you're still putting a handful of meal in that barrel. Thank you, Lord. And I pray that you continue to bless it. Bless our time in this message. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. There are five basic exhortations in the book of Hebrews all of them have to deal with the word of God." Uh, The first one that he talks about is to be careful of drifting from the Word of God. Uh, We miss a day and then two and then three and then a week. And before you know it, we're out of the Word of God. Sadly, I talk to Christians across America that will say, Preacher, I need to get back to reading the Word of God. And so he gives the exhortation. He said, Be careful about drifting from the Word of God. And that's always caused by neglect. The second exhortation of the five and what we'll deal with tonight is uh, doubting the word of God, not drifting from the word of God, but reading it and doubting the word of God. And this is caused not by a drift and not by a neglect, but it is caused by the hardness of the heart. Now, if you looked at the illustration of what he's teaching here in chapter 3 and 4 and 5, he talks about the children of Israel going into the land of Canaan. It was not the will of God for them to live in Egypt. It was not the will of God for them to live in the wilderness. God delivered them for them to live in the land of Canaan. But when they come to the land of Canaan, they send 12 spies into the land. They came back and they agreed on this one thing. The land is surely as God has said it was. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. It is a place. It is a place where the grapes of Eskol are. It is an amazing, it is a beautiful place. It is just as God has provided. But there are giants in that land. And those giants are bigger and greater than we are. And there's no way we can take that land. Ten spies began to uh, cause a confusion and a murmuring. And you can hear that crowd as they began to talk about, I can't believe we've come this far and we can't go in. The Bible says that Joshua and Caleb stilled the people or quieted the people. And they said, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the land that God has brought us to. And God said we could take the land. Regardless of the circumstances, God said we could take the land. So we find here uh, the ten spies and the two spies... Canaan, to them, was the will of God for their life. God's will for our life is to reach every person we can with the gospel of Christ and then help folks to grow in the knowledge and obedience of the word of God. Now, church is that simple. We need not complicate it with 4,000 books written by CEOs for businesses. This is more important than a business, and the Bible is our guide and the two basic things that we need to be doing is winning people to Christ and help them to grow in the Lord by learning the word of God. We need not complicate it. We need to keep it that way. So when he talks about dividing a soul and spirit, what's he talking about? Well, let's define the words first. First of all, the soul of a man is our mind. It is our feelings. It is our seat of emotions. Now I'm not going to take the time to go through the scripture. Uh, very many. I'm going to show you a couple in a minute. Uh, but but the Bible tells us that the soul of man is our mind. It's our feelings. It's our seat of emotions. Now, the Spirit is that which is made alive at salvation. The Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1. Ah, but he says in verse number 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now, the Bible says in Ephesians 2 and verses 1, 2, and 3 that I was quickened, or I was made alive. Now what's he talking about there? My body is already alive. My soul is already alive. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about that part of man that was dead and that is the spirit of man. When I got saved, that spirit came alive in me. My spirit bears witness with his spirit, hey, that I am a child of God. Say what you want to say, write what you want to write. I am the child of God and his spirit bears witness with my spirit. Now it's important understand what those two words mean because he tells us here he said in verse number 11 he said I want you to labor to enter into that rest then he said the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart now the word of God separates the soul how I feel from my spirit and how I ought to obey God. Right. Let's do it like this. Let's take these 12 spies and put the group of 10 here and put the two here and say these 10 are the soul of man. They looked said they looked at the circumstances and they said we are not able. They reason with their mind. They reason with their heart. They looked at the circumstances. Every time I say that word I think of the preacher that Dr. John Rice asked. He said, sir, he said, how you doing? And the young preacher said to Dr. Rice, he said, I'm doing pretty good under the circumstances. And Dr. Rice said, what are you doing under there? He said, get out from under there and stand on the promises of God. Don't live under the circumstances, live on the promises. And so these ten spies represent the reasoning. It uh, represents the fears of mothers losing their boys going into battle. It represents the fears and concern of being defeated. But the two represent the Spirit of God and they said, you're right about the circumstances and you're right about the giants, but God said. And if God said it, then we can do it if God said it then we can do it let's do what God said to do so the word of God is the sword it separates the ten spies from the two spies and dear friend it was the will of God for them to go into the land of Canaan it was the will of God for them to go and they did go and thank God for old Caleb in his 80's I don't know if it's true or not but I love to read what he said he said I'm as strong now as I was 40 some odd years ago I don't know if he was but I I like his spirit. I like what he said. And he got his mountain. Now what happened? They were victorious because they believed the word of God by their spirit. I'm really concerned about something that I see in churches in America. And I'm not here to be critical of any particular church. I'm talking about folks in my church and churches across America. We've come to the place that we live our lives based on how we feel about things. And we reason away things that are different from the word of God. And the Bible says, let's separate our feelings from the facts here. And let's just do what God said to do. Now, for example, there are churches across America that have not started their buses back. I had a pastor call me the early this morning and I'm preaching in his church in December and he said, I, I just, I can't get them going again. And he said, I'm just telling you that and that's why I want you to come. I want us to get our buses going again. Now here's why they can't. Those 10 spies are still writing books and blogs and still posting on social media of what you can't do. But you hear me well, if God said you can do it, you can do it. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to take away the bad circumstances. You don't have to have all the money. You don't have to have all the workers. You just have to decide by the grace of God, if God said it, I'm going to do it. And every victory in that Bible came from not a reasoning of the soul, the mind, the flesh, the, uh, the spirit, the emotion. It came from somebody that said, let's go forward. You take the whole book of Nehemiah. He followed the word of God. He followed let's go. Do what God said, thus saith the Lord. Let me show you something here. Go to Hebrews chapter 3. I want you to see this. Hebrews chapter 3. Go to verse number 8. He's talking to us, and he says some of the same words that he says in chapter 5, but he uses a different word, but they're they're the same when you get... I mean, it's a synonym when you get into the next chapters. Look at verse number 8. Harden not your hearts... As in the provocation. What's provocation? They made God mad when they wouldn't go into the land of Canaan. And they made him mad because they doubted his word. They took circumstances over his word. In the days of the temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, notice this line, I have it underlined in my Bible, they do always err in their heart. And they have not known my ways. Right. They decided in their heart, can't do this. Right. Last year, the Republicans were voting on an expansion of gambling in Kentucky. I fought against that foolishness for 25 years. And one of the senators said, he said, now, now look, he said, said it's been a tough issue for me. And he said, I really, really prayed about this. And he said, I believe God would have me to vote for it because of the number of jobs and the economic impact that it would bring and i said now i may not disagree with you because of personality but what you just said is an impossibility because god's never going to tell you something in prayer that contradicts with something that is already written and and we've come to the place that folks will say well well, preacher i prayed about it and i really feel like now wait a minute you're about to get in trouble What did God say to do? You say, but preacher, I can't. No, you can't, but God can. God can. We must get back. We must get back to saying, if God said it, then I'm going to move forward. I'm going to go as far as I can. And as long as God guides and God provides, I'm going to keep moving forward. And friend, that's been my story for nearly 40 years. And I want to keep pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. most everywhere I go, preachers will ask me, when do you think you'll retire? And I tell them, I'm going to save money and I'm going to have my retirement party and funeral on the same day. (laughs) I'm going to save money and do it at the same time. Now, there may come a time I can't pastor. There may come a time I can't physically or mentally do uh, what I'm doing. But dear friend, I want to tell you something. I have no plans. I don't want to slow down. I want to speed up. These are not days to take a break. These are days to give it all we've got. Jesus is coming soon. When you run the final lap, you don't stop for uh, 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 soft drinks. When you run the final lap, you set record speed. You give it all you got. We've got to keep going. And not by reasoning but by the word of God. Amen. Now you take any issue right now and you can go to the bookstore and you can find that the ten spies have reasoned away the King James Bible. Right. That's it. Yeah. But there's still two sticking around that saying, well, God did what he said he was going to do and he's preserved his uh, 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 word and that book right there. And I believe it. I don't care how you explain it one way or the other. I don't care. I believe it because God said it. And 10 Spies, the 10 Spies. They have books out on dress standards saying, well, you can't reach people today if you talk about dress standards. Well, the Yankees still have standards. That's right. You want to play for the New York Yankees, you've got to follow their dress standards. That's exactly right. Some folks don't want to be a Yankee. That's right. Some folks don't want to be an independent fundamental Baptist Christian. I want everybody to know whose side I'm on. Amen. Amen. That's right. My first football game I ever went to, my first college football game ever went to was, was when I first went to Lexington. Somebody gave me four tickets I believe it was and, and, and I didn't have anything and I, I put on the only sports shirt I had and it was a Cincinnati red sports shirt. Now Kentucky is Kentucky blue. I mean their blood is blue. You can read about online the blue fugits. I mean they bleed blue in Kentucky. They were playing of all people the University of Cincinnati that day. Now Cincinnati wears everything red. I didn't pay attention. I'm just glad to have a sports shirt on. You know, I mean, I'd never been to a football game, and so I'm in the end zone, and uh, in, in the end zone, and somebody, you know, about uh, three rows, and uh, uh, I don't know, they, they yelled, "Who's that down there in the red shirt?" And I thought, man, there's all kinds of people out there with a red shirt on. <laughs> Who's that guy down there in the red shirt? I said, "Who in the world is that guy yelling that?" He said, "You." And I realized, I've got on a red shirt, and I'm sitting in a Kentucky blue. I wanted to take my shirt off and write a big blue UK on my belly, but I was afraid my mom would kick me out of the family if I did that to <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Can I tell you something? Let's just go ahead and do what the Bible says. There's two genders, and that's all, male and female. That's, that's just all they are it's that simple I mean we ought to put these folks in farming they'd starve to death one generation and then we'd come back to our, back to our senses again But right. well, let's just do what the Bible says you say but the majority says will you forget the majority when you're on God's side you're in the majority we don't need folks say to me today well there's power in numbers I'm, yeah but there's greater power by faith and obedience to God so the word of God is quick and powerful, and it's sharper than any two edged sword. It separates the ten spies from the two spies. You take the matter of soul winning. Many have reasoned it away. Now I'm not against you taking ten thousand bottles of water and putting the gospel on there, but that ain't soul winning. And, and 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 I don't care, you can drop off a case at my house and a loaf of warm bread. And put the gospel on there, and that's a good thing, but that ain't soul winning. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. Quit reading those books and blogs and social media posts by the ten spies. They're still out there and they're still reasoning and they're still saying that the the giants are bigger than we are and that's the truth, but they're smaller than God is and I'm not representing me, I'm representing God and I'm going to do what the Bible says to do. I love what old David said when he faced Goliath. He said, Israel's going to know that there is a God in heaven. Faith is moving forward in the will of God. Now, I don't have time to teach this, but I'm going to read an outline. When it comes to the bus ministry, when it comes to our Sunday school, when it comes to rearing of our children, we need to have a Bible answer for all that we do. Let's begin with salvation. I'm saved for a Bible reason. It doesn't matter how I feel some days I feel better than other days but I'm always saved because the Bible never changes for whosoever and as a little boy not hardly six years old I trusted Christ as my Savior I prayed and asked him to forgive me of my sin to give me eternal life and he saved me that day in fact he did three things for me he not only took all of my sin away he has not since one time imputed another sin to my account he has never put another sin to my account Uh, uh, Psalm thirty and Romans chapter 7 or 8 he repeats what he said in Psalm but then the third thing God did he did put something on my account and that's his righteousness and I'm wearing the garments of salvation and I'm going to heaven not because of who I am or what I've done or anything I've ever been I'm going to heaven by the grace of God and I'm wearing his righteousness Bible reason children are not saved because they prayed a prayer That prayer needs to be a prayer of faith in God. I'm I'm not saying that to complicate anything. I'm just saying that's what the Bible says. We need to teach what the Bible says about family. We're having to teach on our buses, and no doubt you are as well, the Genesis account of creation and going to the fact that God not only created the world and everything in it, he created male and female, two genders. That's all he created. Now we have to show them from the Bible. Me telling them is one thing. But there's power in this. This is the living seed. This is the Word of God. They need to see this book open on the bus and in the class, and what God has to say about it. It doesn't matter what you or I think about it or say about it. But it matters what God said. Let's not do what the ten spies said because they're reasoning in a way. I was in Florida preaching a few months ago, and one of the directors of uh, public—I'm sorry—one of the directors. Of Christian education one of the main directors of Christian education shared with me curriculum saying we don't want to get in trouble with the law so we do teach children it's their choice what gender or animal or if they want to be a democrat or whatever they want to whatever they want to be (laughs) they're putting that in Christian education so-called Christian I'm not talking about public schools they're putting that in because they said we don't want to get in trouble just mark me down put me in trouble just mark me down as one of those uh, uh, as one of those that said i believe what the bible said When it comes to career and the will of God. Let's do what the Bible says. When it comes to finances. Let's do what the Bible says. When it comes to friendships and relationships. Which doesn't mean adultery. uh, Let's do what the Bible says. When it comes to growth and learning and maturing. Let's do what the Bible says. When it comes to where to live. And where to work and where to serve. Let's do what the Bible says. When it comes to our habits and hobbies of life. Let's do what the Bible says. And every question. And every idea of life. Let's look at the word of God and say. What does God say? and I don't care if they say it doesn't work I don't care what and and, and many of them they're really good on telling you what day and what year it is and that's all right with me but the Bible still works let's do what the Bible says now let me give you an outline or a list of things that we ought to teach them first of all we need to know the law do you know there's no true revival in the Bible until they went back to the law Every revival. The one in the, uh, the one that advertised in Wilmore, Kentucky didn't have a thing in the world to do with the law. Oh, right. It had everything to do with the ten spies led that revival. Yeah, exactly. All emotionalism, yeah. no repentance, no going to God, no preaching of the Bible. No. Oh. That revival, they had gay day. They had all of the days, and they recognized, and they said, God loves everybody, and that they listened to the ten spies. We need to learn the law. Let's begin with the ten commandments. Okay. Let's begin with the Ten Commandments. We need to teach that. That's what God says. There needs to be campaigns in our Sunday school classes and campaigns in our bus routes that, uh, uh, that riders and students are awarded for being able to recite to the Ten Commandments. And when they ask you, but what about the Sabbath day? You tell them there was a day that on Saturday was the Sabbath day. Oh, but they were looking for the Lamb of God to come. And what happened was Jesus came to earth and he lived a sinless life. And John introduced him to the world. And he said in John one twenty nine, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And when he died on the cross, he arose from the grave on Sunday morning. And that's why we go to church on Sunday because we celebrate the birth of the Lord, or, or the, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every Sunday we celebrate that. Let's teach the law. Second of all, let's teach Bible principles. Amen. Let's just teach Bible principles. I mean the Bible principles throughout the book of Proverbs and Psalms and, and throughout the word of God. Let's teach then Bible warnings. You know the Bible says that Sodom and Lot and in the days of Noah, those were in samples to those who hereafter would live ungodly. You know who that's talking about right now today? I'm concerned for America. Don't be surprised if you turn on the news tonight and some national tragedy has taken place in our nation. And I'm sick and tired of hearing politicians say, now let's not let that disturb us. Let's go back to work. Let's go back to school. Let's go back to playing ball. Jesus said, when you see these things begin to come to pass, look up, lift up your head, your redemption draws Now, he didn't say go back to work. He said, you better get ready uh, for Jesus to return because those are signs of the time. We need to teach Bible warnings. There ought to be a series of Bible prophecies taught and, and young people need to understand you don't have to be afraid of Bible prophecy Amen. Russia right now uh, Russia right now they're big pals with Iran and their hatred of Israel I've had Christians ask me preacher are you surprised by what's going on I said well no I've been reading about it since I was a kid <laughs> I mean it's, I mean, Daniel talked about it right. it's, it's talked about all in the scripture they, and, and they like to say, we'll do what we want to do. You're doing exactly what the devil tells you to do is what you're doing. This world, they're crazy, aren't they? They say, that preacher ain't going to tell me what to do. I'll do what I want to do, and they go get in line with 320 million people. Yeah. They wait all night to get in to buy something or see a movie. We need to teach Bible prophecy. The next thing to happen is the rapture of the church. Jesus is coming soon. Things are not falling apart. Things are falling in place. Jesus is coming soon. Let children know God's control. When they were afraid of Pharaoh and thought he'd kill all of, God's, uh, all of the God-fearing people, it didn't happen. And when Nero came and they thought he'd get rid of all Christians, it didn't happen. You see, Pharaoh came and died. God's still on the throne. And Nero came and died. God's still on the throne. Bill and Hillary came and they are off the throne. And God's still on the throne. And on and on it goes. God is on the throne. Teach our children the Bible of prophecy. Teach them history. I love history. I mean, this woke stuff keeps me awake. It, it, It bothers me. This thing of denying our history. I told our folks Sunday... And, and I, I, I just, I'm just imagine, we had soldiers in Nancy, France. It was June 1944. and It rained and rained and rained and rained. Patton went to his chaplain. He said, you pray a prayer and stop this rain. You can imagine how Patton told him. That chaplain took his pen and paper and he wrote a prayer. And then he prayed for that. Pra- he prayed that prayer not only for the rain to stop, but he said that we may destroy these soldiers of evil. Amen. Well, it quit raining that evening. And the next day, Patton told his troops, Let's move forward. He said, By the way,. He said, put that prayer that you prayed in 250,000 Christmas cards, this was December, and mail it to all the troops. Yes. History, if, if, if we read history in America, we'd have a revolution. Yes, sir. And we need one. Amen. Yes. If we read history, we'd have a revolution. If we read the Bible, we'd have a revival. Yes. And both go hand in hand. Amen history. Boy, we've got some great heroes of the past. We need to teach our children Bible doctrine. Simple Bible doctrine. I mean, just go through a series about what does the blood mean. The blood's not at the foot of the cross. Jesus was a high priest and he did his priestly work when he took that blood to the mercy seat in heaven. Ah, my sins are covered by the blood of Christ. That blood being shed. Tell them about how the veil in the temple rent. Tell them about the doctrine of angels. Uh, You don't die and become an angel. I don't care what Oprah Winfrey says. You don't die and become an angel. One fellow said his wife was an angel. Said she was always up in there harping about something. But, but, uh, uh, but, but, but you don't become an angel. I'm gonna preach the truth, whether you like it or not. Next time you call your wife an angel, she may not take it just right. Asa did not inquire of the Lord. And he made an unholy alliance that cost him. Samson made a decision to follow what he felt. She pleaseth me. And he lost his eyes and his life. Elimelech and Naomi, they reasoned that it would be best to sojourn in Moab. And once we take care of of a business, then we'll come back. They reasoned with their soul rather than following the spirit of God, which said, it may not be easy, but God said it let's do it. For the word of God is quick. It's alive yeah, right. and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the ten spies from the two, soul and spirit, how I feel from what God said and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, it frightens me to think I would follow my heart. That's why I want to read daily much of the Word of God because the Word never fails. Stand with me, if you will. Thank you for listening tonight. Oh, how we need the Word of God taught to children today. Some think children can't understand. Friend, it's an amazing thing. What a child can comprehend, especially coupled by the Holy Spirit of God, to teach them. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time around your word tonight. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us not to be guilty of doing things out of our feelings and out of our emotions. Lord, help me not to fail you by following my heart. God help me to please you by doing those things that you've said in your word. You tell us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, help to help us to do it without doubt until you come or we come home to glory. bless her invitation in Jesus name. Amen as she plays and you need to come come and join these who are already here tonight.
0: Many have come once you join them. Take your time. What a needed message. We as a people need to get back to the book. Look up here. Many of you. Watched just a few weeks ago and, and by interview, the new speaker of the house was asked, what's your what's your worldview? Yeah. Yeah. He said, uh, get the Bible. That's my worldview. Yeah. Amen. Wonder if that question was not just asked of us, but. We watch what you do. Yeah. Right. Is the Bible our guide? Yeah. Do we let it lead us? And how we act, what we say, what we do, our philosophy, our worldview. It shows. It shows. It shows how we conduct ourselves. As we leave this place, let's show the world what a Bible-believing Christian does. We've said it many times. This is our chapter. If we don't reach the world for Christ, who will? If we don't reach our community, who's going to? Paul said to the Romans, How shall they hear without a preacher? Who's going to go out into the highways and hedges? Who's going to reach the youth of America? I tell you who the teacher unions, the school boards, writing curriculum. Going after our children yeah, exactly. what doing. Exactly. to indoctrinate them yeah. that there is no God. To instill in them a not just unbelief, but a hatred yeah. right. for their country, for God, right. exactly. for anything spiritual. Right. I'll take it back. They will push a spirit, but it's an evil spirit. So, who every time I see every time I see a um, an unfortunate shooting event in a school, I wonder: could a bus captain had been in that door? A youth pastor? A church? Yeah. Could someone had made a difference in that young person's life? Right. Right. Somebody missed it. There's a group in the Dominican Republic right now. There's. Uh, I've been in Dominican, drove through towns with no gospel witness. Someone missed a call. Yeah, yeah. Right. But you don't have to go to the Dominican Republic. You can go to towns in America oh, yeah. with no gospel witness. Yeah, yeah. You can go down to D.C. right now, go to Baltimore, go to most of our major cities. And you know what you'll find, Brother Fugit? You'll find a church on every corner. But they're empty. Yeah. Right. They're social clubs. Right. They're, they're social justice places of community activism. Many of them in D.C. are being bought and converted to condominiums, and businesses, and at once proclaim the gospel. You look at the major Ivy League schools in America and you look at the founding of those colleges, you know what they were once were? They once were the Bible colleges of America. Now they are bastions of evil and anti-God. They are uh, one of the Ivy League colleges. The, the, the chaplain is an atheist. I don't even know how you do that. That's like a vegetarian running Chick-fil-A. I mean, what in the world? Yeah, it's like it's like hit the road, man. Go down and get an honest job. But that's what's happening in America. And it's our responsibility to be the salt and light. God wants to use you. We need to attempt great things for God and and watch what he does through us as we were heard last night. You know, um, let's not give God an agenda. Let's give him an empty piece of paper and say, God, you you fill it out. I'll sign it. I'm in. And uh Let's let's uh, reach our communities for Christ. And maybe this time next year we'll have hundreds of stories to tell, to tell our community, tell other preachers, tell our nation that the bus ministry still works. Amen. We believe it does. Brother Reeves, once you come, I think I think he's probably come the furthest. He surprised us. I didn't know he was coming, but. We appreciate Brother Reese. He's been a great friend over the years and has been a wonderful um, influence for the cause of Christ and the bus ministry. I appreciate his stand uh, for truth. And uh, if you ever go to North Platte, you'll find a town that's being impacted with the gospel. And uh, they're reaching folks everywhere. And uh, I appreciate his friendship. Why don't you close us out in prayer? Let's pray. Father, we're so very thankful for meeting with us tonight. We don't deserve your presence, but truly you were here and touched our hearts. And Lord, we thank you for the man of God you sent our way to preach the Word of God. But, Father, so often we are willing to lie to ourselves and not be real. And we're not willing to really make the changes in our lives after we hear these messages that you tell us we need to make. I pray that's not the case tonight. I pray we go home to our prospective places of service and we do business with you at home. And Lord, let's get busy filling those buses and winning people to Christ. Thank you so much for what the bus ministry stood for all these years. May we see it stand just as long in the future. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.